0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer.
1: And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson.
0: And today we're so happy to be joined by an old friend of mine from NYU, Aww. Tanika Renee Gibson. Welcome, Tanika. <laughs> <Welcome. you. laughs> Thank you.
2: I'm so glad to be here. Yay.
0: Where are you joining us from today?
2: I am joining you from Cobra City in Los Angeles. <laughs> Ooh. That sounds so nice. It's So cold right now. I just <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it's like 75 degrees.
0: Oh man. Oh, I'm so it's jealous. twenty in New York. Oh. Well, we're so happy you're joining us to discuss Parenthood today. What's your history with the show Parenthood?
2: I just started watching it um, for the I became highly recommended by my dear friend, Caleb. (laughs) And I have to say, I really, really love it. The cast is phenomenal. I love diversity on the show. I love the themes they talk about. Um, I'm I'm still new to the the series, but um, I really, really like it. It's telling um, a lot of important stories and w- stories that we haven't really seen before. You know, we see a little bit in This Is Us and some shows like that, but um, just really important themes that I think are um, really need to be told, especially in this day and age.
1: Oh, that's so nice to hear.
0: I so agree. When when we wanted to do a podcast, we thought about several different shows and I'm so glad we went with this one because the stories that it tells, I feel like lend itself to discussion yeah. more than a lot of other shows because yeah. everyone deals with these kinds of relationships and it, it feels very universal in that way. feels like mm-hmm. everybody
1: has something to relate to on this show too. Like that's just mm-hmm. kind of incredible. So,
0: Well, can you tell us a little bit about Team Gibson, the family <laughs> that you grew up in and your family today?
2: um so I grew up in a, a host of different families um so you know I was in foster care when I was born basically born into foster care and then I was adopted when I was four years old by a family in Massachusetts and they were African-American and um that family was interesting because um it was a single mother and she really she was quite religious and she said that God told her all of her children would be saved and go to heaven. So she wanted to adopt all the children that she didn't have. So she had five children and adopted five more children. Oh, wow. Wow! (laughs) My goodness. And had a, you know, a bunch of uh, foster, extra foster kids. So it was a lot of kids, you know, sort of orphanage. Like I usually describe it as like a religious orphanage of sorts. And so needless to say, you know, we grew up in church. We grew up, <laughs> um, you know, with a, a, a true um, faith in, in, in God. Yeah, it, it wasn't the the most amazingly stable family, I think, because of how big it was. And she was just a single mother. And I would also kind of describe it as um, pretty abusive, you know, mm-hmm. if we're just going to be mm-hmm. explicit.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and so I, I did... I was able to get out of that family situation. Um, I, I got a full scholarship to a private high school when I was in ninth grade. And in my junior year of that year, my first adoptive mother passed away from breast cancer. And I was wow. to be placed back in foster care because there was no one else that could take me. Mind you, I'm like thriving at this school. Yeah. I'm a straight A student, I'm in every musical, I'm the lead in every musical you know, I was the girl that did every extracurricular activity. And so, um, you know, I was going to be placed in foster care and taken out of the school and placed in public school. And I just, you know, I, for me, that was like the end of the world. Like I, yeah, know, totally. every, 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 the school was like in every fiber of my being, you know? And so I went to the courthouse basically basically and, and petitioned to <laughs> be emancipated. So I could Go back to the school, the McDuffie School, is the name of the school in Massachusetts. And um, and you were a freshman when you did that. No, I was a, a junior. Okay. So it was oh my two gosh! Weeks but- before my seventeenth birthday. That's incredible. But still a
0: child. I just can't. <laughs> was that so I'm just, scary
2: I'm I'm just, just, yeah sorry, it was have- <laughs> so scary because I was like this is my last chance like yeah. I can't there were 25 kids in my class you know I was like I can't go to public school it's just I this was like my reason for living kind yeah. of at that time you know yeah. the school was getting me through and and it was just such a tight community and just so welcoming and loving and oh just caring so yeah my junior year about two weeks before my 17th birthday I went to the courthouse I petitioned to be emancipated they said that's not allowed in Massachusetts what you can do though is call someone see if you can find anyone just to be your guardian so I'm calling around to everyone I know I called the school I called all my friends my friend's parents and no one even told me this the headmistress you know heard of my situation uh, a, a mixed up school heard of my situation and she was alerted to what was going on. But she, I don't know if she realized it was so dire to the point that I'm like at the courthouse, if I don't find somebody by five o'clock, I'm on my way to foster care, you oh know. Oh my god. Ugh. Wow. And um, she came down to the courthouse. Nobody told me she was coming. You know, we I didn't even have a cell phone. I'm on, you know, probated family court. I'm on this probation officer's landline, just calling people, hoping somebody shows up. And uh, Mrs. Gibson, Miss Catherine Gibson, shows up at the courthouse oh. at like four thirty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's like a movie. <laughs> it was just like a <laughs> okay. Wow. What <laughs> happened? And she signs the paperwork, and she becomes my guardian. And it was only supposed to be until my eighteenth birthday. But then, and now I don't know if I'm getting into the second question because it was the first question about my first family, because this is going into my second family. Yeah, do it. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. um, So, you know, I would describe it. Have you seen, you know, we've all seen Annie, but specifically (laughs) the one with Audra McDonald's. Oh, yes. 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 (laughs) ABC. Yeah. And it just, you know, I'm telling you, you know, she took me home that first night. And mind you, I grew up quite poor. You know, I, I never had my own room, I never really had my own bed. Wow. until I moved in with the Gibsons and um, she took me home and mind you she lived in the head house so it wasn't her personally owned house <laughs> so I'm not saying they are daddy warbucks but it <laughs> looks like daddy warbucks <laughs> they were like 15 bedrooms she was oh like have a one you want you know my dad you know Mr. Gibson at the time was crying up some dinner and it was just so loving and just so wonderful. And from the first few months I lived there, you know, I, I never felt like I had a mom and a dad, like a true just nuclear family. Um, and I never really felt like I had, um, you know, true unconditional love. You know, my first doctor mom was paid to take all the kids that she adopted and took in. So there is always that struggle with, was it for money or was it for love? But with this, with the Gibson family, They didn't want a dime; they just wanted Tamika. And mind you, I wasn't particularly close to Mrs. Gibson at school. She was, you know, the headmistress. Like you would look at your high school principal, you know. uh, (laughs) Yeah, no. And I was very nervous about what the situation was going to be. You know, like you know, I was a great student, but I was like, am I going to have to make sure? I'm like, what is the situation going to be? But from the minute I walked in, it was nothing but just total unconditional love. And, and they're white and atheists, I grew up very religious wow, yeah. and, and black and I'm um, in the gospel church, you know, and my dad plays the cello. It's just the total opposite end of the spectrum with where I, where and how I grew up. Wow! Um, but it was amazing the conversations that were had my dad when we, you know the first few months I got there was like you know just trying to relate to me was like I planted some collard greens in the garden did you notice them? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like, no but I, I see your effort I see that effort though thank you <laughs> that's precious oh my gosh <laughs> wow um, and it's just so it's, it's just so it's been so wonderful, so supportive. They started me in voice lessons. I'm now a Broadway performer. You know, they it really my life just kind of took off once I became a Gibson. And then so
0: Wait, I'm sorry. So you weren't singing until you were with the Gibsons.
2: I wasn't singing classically. So I, you know, I grew up singing. You were church. the yeah, and you were the
1: okay. lead in the musicals
0: and
2: stuff. I was but... the lead in the musicals, okay. and it was a raw talent. But I'd never had a voice lesson. I didn't know how to read music. Because listeners, I
0: should have said Tanika's voice is like, I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. Wow. a gorgeous gorgeous voice.
2: thank you no no my dad was you know being a a classical musician and knowing the the discipline and dedication that it takes he was just like do you really want to be a performer all right we're going to put you in voice lessons they took me to the heart school of music two times two three times a week voice lessons oral comprehension music theory so that I could be ready for NYU, which thank God (laughs) I didn't have that right before because I would have been a little behind um, at NYU. And it's just been, it's been amazing. So yeah, they were supposed to be my guardians until I was 18. And so I turned 18 in March before, you know, I went off to college and I did get a full scholarship to NYU from the governor of Massachusetts, the Christian Herter scholarship for kids who have overcome adversity. And so they, they asked me, and the summer before I went to NYU, I said, you know, we love you, and we truly consider you our daughter, and we consider you a part of our family, and we'd love to adopt you, if that's okay with you. As my first adopted mother had passed away, and I'm considered an orphan, and I just cried. You know, I just couldn't <laughs> believe, I couldn't <laughs> believe my luck, and I, you know, I wrote my college essay on this, like, you know, how I just always wanted to have dinner with my mom and dad, uh. and... For them to to do that, you know, they went from Mrs. Gibson, Mr. Gibson, to Catherine and David, to Mom and Dad, and it this it has just been such a beautiful journey. So they said, you know, we don't want to mess up your financial aid, which you work so hard for mm-hmm. and which you deserve. And I didn't think they should have to pay for my college since they took me when I was like seventeen. So they adopted me second semester of senior year of college. I was twenty two years old. Now my <laughs> college friends came you know Aaron came Jessica Fischenfeld came and so my I got a new birth certificate new social security card with Tanika Gibson Uh, Uh,
1: that's one of the greatest stories I think I've ever heard and this is the earliest (laughs) in a podcast episode I've ever cried I think so that's that's amazing I'm so thrilled that it worked out that way that's just kind of incredible and and it's especially um, incredible like just the talent that you have, and then the fact that you were able to thrive and have that love and all of that. I just, I'm so happy. <laughs> and I just met you.
0: It, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you know, it does make me wonder, and maybe this is a stupid question, but you know, you mentioned that growing up, you were a straight A student, and that's how you got into this private high school. I would think, I mean, it's hard to be a straight A student under quote-unquote, you know, normal circumstances, mm-hmm. when you are in a house with all of these children and resources are stretched so thin and there's a, abuse, and where do you think this conviction in you came from to maybe latch on to academics as a way out? Or, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, just how did it occur uh-huh. to you to to aspire to those standards? I
2: don't know. I just... Honestly, I remember early on sort of looking around and, you know, of the five kids that were adopted, I was the only one without a biological connection. Mm -hmm. And at first, that's really, really saddened me because I just felt like I had no one that was, you know, really close or like kin, you know, like actual blood. And in the end, that saved me. Because I looked around, I said, you're my family, but you are not me and I can choose to be who I want to be. Hmm. And I remember I was young, I don't know, first or second grade, knowing that education was the only way and seeing um, the, the lack, sort of lack of it in the family I grew up in. And just going so hard for it throughout my entire schooling. And it just never stopped. I still am a a straight A student. I ask my voice teachers, ask my acting teachers, ask any director I've worked with. You know, it just sort of that trait of um, just discipline and hard work has stayed with me and saved me. Wow.
0: That's truly inspiring. I mean, I feel like that word maybe gets... Tossed out, out of exaggeration, but this truly is. No, it makes me think. you know like, what are my excuses? You know,
1: (laughs) well, I think the same thing every day. I'm
0: like, (laughs) okay, come on, get out of Yeah, come (laughs) on.
1: Well, and I'll tell you, you know, just as a, a teacher, just my perspective, it's it's so rare to see someone work so hard at all, you know, and and I I've I've tried to like have conversations about the importance of education. And, and it seems like so often, if people don't grow up with that message, they don't internalize it. So I think it really is extraordinary that that you latched onto that at such a young age and, and knew. And because I have a lot of students who give up, you know, and it breaks my heart. And so it's
2: just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you said you're a teacher. I will also give a lot of credit, much of the credit to my teachers who saw something special in me, who always took me aside and told me, you know, stay ah. on the straight and narrow. If They saw me getting a little, you know, running with the wrong crowd. No, 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 Tanika.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: this is what you're supposed to be doing. It was actually a teacher, my dearest, Patty Forbes. Uh, she was my eighth grade science teacher who, you know, I was I was slated to go to, to public school in eighth grade, a different, a public high school. And I went to public school for middle school. And she said,
3: mm,
2: there's a school I pass on my way to work every day, the McDuffie school. And I think, I think a private school might be better for you and she called the school and said if you accept this girl your school will never be the same and she helped me with all of my applications you know I didn't have a strong parent figure at home and she helped me get in she's the only reason why I went to the school which is the only reason why I was adopted again in the first place so it's teachers teachers like you Melissa
1: well that's very nice oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) Uh. That's beautiful to hear too, but that's true. It's so fascinating, isn't it? How you can like trace back and back and back to like these, these little moments, seemingly little, and then they change the entire course
2: of your life. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And you can never predict. Yeah. Just just go for it. Follow your excitement, you know, just go for it. And Um, just be good
1: to people, right? Like try to, seek out those students that you think would be able to do something amazing and, and
2: yes,
1: <laughs> be someone who can help, you know, start them on
2: that path or something. It's really, that's amazing too. Absolutely. I would have never, I would have never made it without Patty Forbes, who I still talk to. Every two weeks to oh. this day.
3: Such oh, a so teacher's pet. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Still. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh wonderful. It's amazing. Yeah. When you moved in with your now parents, did they have any children before you?
2: Yes. So they have two daughters, um, much, much, much older than I am. Mm -hmm. And so they have Lindsay and Lindsay's, um, like around 50. Now my parents are much older. They're almost 80. And so Lindsay was around 50 and Chelsea's like 38 Mm -hmm. and I'm 30. Gotcha. Um, So we have a 70s baby an 80s baby a 90s baby. Oh, that's cool. cool. And they're, they're wonderful. They were, you know, of course, You know, they did not expect their (laughs) older, you know, later 60s parents to be adopting this Black girl from the inner city. You know, they I'm sure that was a huge surprise for them and the entire family, but everyone really welcomed me with open arms. You know, of course, we had the race conversations and the, the conversations about just different cultures and, um, you know, how I grew up versus how they grew up and just finding um, similarities and differences and just really talking that out. Mm. Um, and it's it's opened up my mind and my world about other cultures. You know, I feel like we have so many assumptions or different stereotypes or, and to re- be able to almost you know, to kind of cross the line and really just really get to know someone on an intimate basis. Yeah, I feel like um, one, that's how healing starts in this world. Mm -hmm. And because that's how it started in my own life and then continued in their lives. But also I feel like just um, love conquers Mm -hmm. all, you know, Mm -hmm. and and we just got closer and closer and closer and that love just grew and grew and grew. And um, yeah, I, I can't, it's so, it's crazy to think, you know i've had biological parents whom i've met i've had my first adoptive parents and i've had my second adoptive parents and it's like when i think of mom and dad i think of my mom and dad yeah it's only been thir- 13 years but i i think of my mom and dad yeah really 8 years since i was adopted but 13 years since yeah yeah
3: mm.
0: Well, I think it's safe to say that's the best answer to <laughs> tell us about your team that we've ever had. Yeah,
2: uh, truly. We <laughs> have a great team. <laughs> I didn't start uh, with a great one, but it's great now.
0: Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I'm so glad. Man. Well, and we obviously, we're happy to have you on to talk about the whole episode, but we, we really were interested in the kind of perspective you could offer on the adoption storylines. Yeah. Yeah. Storyline going on on Parenthood right now. So let me get our housekeeping out of the way first. Okay. Today we're discussing Parenthood Season 4, Episode 14, One Step Forward, Two Steps Back. Yes. I just couldn't resist.
1: I'm very glad you did that.
0: (laughs) It's not even exactly the same words, but it was all I could think about as I... (laughs) We saw the title of the episode. But it was written by Bridget Carpenter, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired on January 15th, 2013. And here is the DVD synopsis. Julia and Joel struggle with a difficult decision involving Victor. Crosby and Jasmine are frustrated with Renee causing tension in the house. Meanwhile, Christina helps Max fight for a cause that he is passionate about. So the episode begins with Joel and Julia in bed kind of discussing where they are at with the whole Victor situation. I just keep trying to tell myself that it's going to
4: be okay, but I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work.
0: Ever.
2: We should finalize it. What? I think we should finalize it. You know,
4: just... (sighs) talk to the lawyers, file the paperwork, dot the i's, cross the t's, you know, if there's anything that's going to
5: tell our boy that he's a part of this family, that's it. I just think we need to, you know, just take the leap.
3: You do, huh? Yeah,
4: I really do. I just,
3: I'm sure of it.
2: I
0: wish I were. So throughout this storyline, we've been getting mostly the parents' point of view, Joel and Julia. And the show hasn't really presented much from Victor's point of view. And Tanika, I'd be especially curious to know from you... When you're a child and there's all these adults making decisions about you and about really fundamental things in your life, like where you're going to live and who you're going to live with, what is that experience like?
2: I used to, you know, think of myself as like a monopoly piece. Mm-hmm. And it felt like people were just moving that piece around and you didn't really have any control over where you went. So I really um, relate to, to Victor immensely. And to not trust that something is going to be stable, a situation is going to be stable, and so how can you ever let your guard down, how can you ever start to have emotions towards this new family, especially at that young of an age, when you're just, you know, it's not mature enough to really place words to these type of feelings. And I think when they, when he said, let's just dot the I's and cross the T's and do this thing, oh, it just brought tears to my, to my eyes because I know how that feels to, to lie in bed and wonder, is this my last night here? Did I do something wrong? Did I upset them? Uh, Did I you know, say something that uh, that wasn't great? You know, um, you know, am I, am I being good enough to to stay for them to love me?
1: Right.
2: And when you get adopted, I'm, you know. When my parents adopted me at such an old age, <laughs> a lot of people said it was just a formality. No, it was not a formality to me, yeah. it meant the whole entire world that they truly wanted me enough to sign on that dotted line and and promise that they will be there forever, that they will love me unconditionally. that even if I'm good, even if I say something that's not so great or I break a glass or I get a bad grade, Oh God forbid that they will still love me. And it's not going to affect their love for me. It means the whole world. And so when they tell Victor and he's, (laughs) you can see that, that physical change Mm -hmm. it. Oh my gosh. The waterworks. It's, (laughs) it means the world. It truly, truly does. It's very difficult to trust, especially if you're from home to home to home. How can you ever trust if no one is saying, especially an adult is saying, I got you. Yeah. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. I will never let you go. (sighs)
0: Yeah. Ugh. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just hearing you say, you know, the lying in bed at night and you know how that feels. Did I do something wrong? Victor, right before this episode acted out and he oh. he threw a baseball bat. I think he regretted it immediately. immediately. <laughs> he was being bullied, honestly, by his sister mm-hmm. and um, that provoked him. And that is what has sparked this latest round of doubt in Julia. And we've been thinking that Victor's dealing with those trust issues of, oh, 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 I crossed the line. Now she hates me. Now she'll want nothing to do with me. And just hearing you say it, I thought, of course that's what's happening. I mean, we've been kind of unsure because, like I said, they haven't really delved into Victor's side of things very much. Mm -hmm but now it just seems like what else would he be feeling of course that's mm-hmm. what he'd be feeling and of course he would maybe withdraw and put his guard back up cuz he has to brace for whatever comes it's next yeah yeah
2: and but and for their response to be no we still want you yeah yeah we still love you we still want to be your mom and dad he is a moment he will never ever forget
1: Ugh, i love oh. that so much You know, I just kept thinking through Julia's last few episodes when she has been feeling doubts, I just keep thinking, I feel like she's looking at this backwards and I get it, no judgment, it's very human and I think it's probably important to explore that side but at the same time, I'm like, the way she's like, he doesn't love me. Well, how would you describe Victor's
4: adjustment to your home? It's been great. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's... There have been some bumps in the road. Well, that's
5: normal. That's what I keep saying. Right. It's absolutely normal. Uh, You know, he's a great kid. He's uh, really funny, and he's a little shy at first, but he's not withdrawn. He's just- He doesn't love me. Julia.
4: It's irrelevant statement that i want to make and it's okay. a concern that i have it, and it's been ongoing it's a, you know this
5: it's a feeling you have you it's
0: don't not know a that feeling
4: that i have he never says anything he's not, to the effect some, of he's having not going any to say
0: anything he's a boy well
4: any kind of affection whatsoever and and i know we keep saying any more time but you, just how much
0: more time you know what I, I think well, the two of you need to take a little more time and, I don't to talk I mean, about this no no that, that might be think a good idea need to do that uh from where i sit, it, it never hurts to take the time because adoption is a very big deal and just to say, you wouldn't
1: be the first people in the world to change your minds. I'm like, I, I don't think that's it. I think he's afraid you don't love him. And, you know, she even says it. Like, she puts him to bed and she's like, I love you. But I'm like, what does that mean, really? You know, it's actions that that convey love. And it felt so much like she said it to hear it back. And I'm like, you're this upper middle class white woman who had the most loving childhood imaginable. <laughs> like, For her to be like, I need this kid to love me. It's like, no, he needs you to love him him. and truly love him and not just performatively sort of say it because you want to hear it back. And that's how you think this is supposed to go down. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It really kind of almost upset me the way she was looking at it, even though it felt believable But I loved that Joel, like, because I think in another universe, I could look at this as Joel not listening to her. You know, she's expressing doubts and he's like, let's finalize it. I mean, I could see a universe where it's like, what are you doing, Joel? Your wife has doubts. But I think he is sort of tapping into something that maybe she's not tapping into, you know? Up until this last few episodes they were full steam ahead and they, they, you know, she didn't have those doubts. And I think maybe he recognizes you're going to work through this. If we don't go through with this, because you're feeling like this right now, you're going to regret that
2: for the rest of your life. And yeah, anyway. And it's going to affect Victor's life for the rest of his life
1: and his ability
2: to trust, his ability to form relationships. And I, I do agree with you when she was saying, I love you. It did seem like, okay, are you going to say it back? Very performative. And and I can, well, I'm not a mother, but I can understand as a parent that how you would want your child to say, I love you back. But she really has to, this is not a normal situation. Right. And she really has to put herself in his shoes a little bit and really see that if you want that love, you have to really, really give that love. And especially to a child and a boy. Yeah. I'm glad they touched on yeah. that as well. Yeah. He's not going to be running around. Love you, mom. Love you, mom. No, 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 You know, yeah. not at that age. It's not you're, that you're living in a fantasy world. Yeah. And I'm glad they came back down to earth and saw <laughs> we need to do this especially if you're full steam ahead you can't you can't go back on that at this Mm -mm. at this point
0: no I also wonder if Joel somehow understands like innately that removing any wiggle room of like going back on this adoption might get her over those doubts Mm -hmm. because you know when she's saying I don't know if things will be okay I just don't know None of us know anything, anything. that's coming next. And <laughs> and yes, that's a hard feeling to deal with, but I I just thought, well that's true of any child, whether you adopted them or not. I mean, do Adam and Christina know that Max will have exactly the kind of future that they wish for him? No. They don't. Did Zeke and Camille know that Crosby was ever going to be truly self-sufficient? <laughs> no Uh, does sarah know that her kids aren't going to be drug addicts like me father you you know you never know that's so well put our like our last guest said adoption is not about the parents it's about the kid kid. and do you want to commit to victor do you want to commit to giving him the best chance he has at the best future possible yeah that's why you do it it can't
1: be because you want this kid to love you, you know? I mean, that comes
0: later. Yeah, and that's a horrible reason for anyone to have a child, even if they gave birth to it. Like, now they'll love me. Right. That's a bad idea.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs)
2: Therapy years later. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it makes me wonder, like, did Julia have Sydney so that there'd be someone who loved her? I've never Um, thought that before, but her reaction to that social worker saying he doesn't love me, It made me wonder that. And I I oddly, like, I hated her saying that. But in a way, I also strangely admired her.
2: That's what I was going to
0: say. Even though I think it's an ugly thing to say, if it is what she's feeling, she needs to voice that to someone who can help her sort it out. Yeah, you can't process it
1: if you pretend it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if
0: that's what's hanging her up, but she won't even admit it, then it's not going to get better. So.
2: Mm
1: And if
0: that I, I, needed
2: to be confronted, I think, before they really went ahead.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. You
2: know, you don't want to sign on the dotted line. You know, nobody wants to get married at the altar. Does he love me? Does he love right, me? You know? Right. So I'm glad that she got those feelings out. And who knows, if she able to process, like, that it's about her loving him. And I think she got there. But I'm glad that she did admit that and that she was able to talk to someone, whether it's her husband or a friend, and for them to really drive the point home for her that it's not about you, honey.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's
2: about him. Are you going to be there for him or not?
0: Yeah. And I liked later on in her scene with Crosby that she slightly reframed the position in a way that made me more sympathetic to it, where she said, <laughs> you know, he deserves to have... Mm-hmm. A mother that mm-hmm. he loves. Uh, okay, that's a little right. more focused on the yes. child. And I like that. Cros- <laughs> and I also like that Crosby said. It hadn't occurred to me until now that we're hashing this out. In this scene, he says he needs you. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if that helped turn her thinking around.
4: Hi, buddy. What what? What's going
0: on?
4: You're upset. We're ordering the short ribs. <laughs> Is that what's going I'm on? I'm just jealous. You're jealous. <laughs> no. What's happening? Uh. God, her eyes. Um, it's just hard with Victor, so. Like what, um, specifically? Like, you know, we've had all this time together, and it just doesn't seem like we're progressing. You know, he just, I'm not being overdramatic. He just doesn't like me at, at this point. And it's so hard to see that that's going to change. And I, I don't, I don't know. Joel is fine. They're great, they have no problems, but, you know, if I don't see something that tells me that someday, maybe we can have a loving relationship, then, you know, then I shouldn't be his mom, because he should be able to have that with someone. Listen, do you want my two cents? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. When Jasmine came and dropped Jabbar off, I didn't have a single clue on how to be a parent. I mean, it just happened in one second, yet she was expecting me to be a dad, and, and I didn't know what to do. And you know who I watched, who I studied, who I looked up to? You. You are such a good parent. You are so patient, you're so calm, and you're so involved, and I, I watched you, and look, I could only aspire to be as good as you, and Victor hates you, okay? You know who I hated when I was nine years old? Mom. <laughs> Remember she was on her crazy uh, health food kick and only put wheat germ cookies in her lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was deplorable, and I hated her. I loved her, but I also hated her, but I didn't tell her that I loved her. I only said I hated her. And that little guy needs you, and he loves you, and I know he loves you, because it's impossible not to love you. For real, listen to me.
2: What are you trying to do <laughs> I loved that scene. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that scene. Ugh. When it just speaks to her fears just as a mother. And, and then you see that it's not necessarily that she needs to hear I love you back, but that in some way she feels like she's kind of failing as a mother mm. by not yeah. sort of convincing him that she loves him and, and just sort of needing that validation sort of that, like, I'm doing a good job and I'm doing the best I can and I want to be here for you.
1: Oh, Yes. Well, and, it you know, it we've talked about this before on the show, I think, but, like, love languages, it makes me think of that. Like, mm-hmm. I think also Julia is expecting his love for her to look a certain way. Like, the words, I love you. But, I mean, look at the way he said, sure. <laughs> you know, and she's like, you know, is that okay if we finalize this? This is what this means? Like, that is him saying he loves her, you know? I mean, if he didn't want to be part of their family... There's his chance to say, I don't want that, you know, and that's, you know, and his whole self shifted when she said that too. It's like you could see him get lighter, you know, like, like that heaviness went away and it was beautiful. And I mean, he loves her. It's just, he's been, he's, he's traumatized. (laughs) He can't just say it the way Sydney, who grew up totally differently, says it to her. And yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Something we've talked about with this storyline, which has been going on all of season four, is that Joel and Julia are constantly calling themselves mom and dad to Victor. Like, Victor, listen to your mom. Victor, your dad and I... I mean, Julia even says it in this adoption scene. Joel, your dad, and I are going to finalize your adoption. With you and your parents, what was that transition like? When did they... You know, you said earlier they went from being... Mr. and Miss Gibson to Catherine and David and then mom and dad. How long did that take and who sort of decided or initiated when, when yeah. those titles would change?
2: Well, it was interesting because, you know, I had never had a dad before. Mm. So the word dad was very foreign, you know, on my lips, you know? Um, so that was, if that came a little bit more difficult for me, but uh, but I also like really, really cherished my dad <laughs> because, like, oh my God, I felt like it, I felt like I was five years old and my dad could do no wrong. Because, oh. <laughs> but early on, because my first adoptive mother had passed, and I didn't have a mom at that point. And my my mom now, um, Gibson mom, um, was just so motherly and so loving and so caring, packing my lunches for school and picking me up and seeing you know, all the little things, you know, I came home from rehearsal one day and she was like, you know, would you like some more milk? And I just remember crying. So it was Like no one had ever seen that I was so tired and that, you know, I was like, oh, did I do something wrong? You know, I thought she was gonna come in to scold me. And she's like, no, 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 I just, it's late. Are you, you seem tired? Would you like some more milk? And I remember <laughs> one of the first times I called her mom and it just came out wow. and then I apologized. And it was just a natural, it was very natural to start calling my mom, mom. And then around, I'd say six, seven, eight months in, in the summer of that year, after I really spent a lot of time with them and discussions, we just got really close It came out, you know, I was young. I had a a couple of glasses of wine at my sister's (laughs) wedding. And and so, you know, I wasn't used to drinking or anything at that point. So my inhibitions were really let down. And I I got up the courage to just ask if I could call them mom and dad, like, at some point. You know, I tried to play it off. You know what I mean now? But, you know, like, it keeps (laughs) slipping out. I just, like, kind of wondered. And they were just, it looked like they felt so honored and so um, elated that I would see them in that, that light in that way. And it took me a while. It took me a few months. And so it was between Catherine, David, mom and dad, mom, Catherine, <laughs> yeah. you know, little variations yeah. um, to get to that point. But by the time I got to college the next year, it was fully Holy mom and dad.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: But it sounds like they let you set your own pace with all of that, right? Yep.
2: They never forced it. But I remember like lit- overhearing my mom say to my sister, like, oh, daddy's going to do this. And I always was like a little envious and just wished that she would say that to me. Yeah. And that's when the feeling started to, to come that I, I did want to be a part of this family in this way.
3: Mm. But mind you, I'm
2: 18 years old at this point. Yeah. Um. Or 17, and so I'm I'm much older than Victor, and so it just felt like a very conscious uh, decision, I guess, on both of our parts. And I don't know what I would have said if they had said no, oh, because God. this is before they had asked to adopt me. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it was. Uh. So it's not like we had made a plan. They were just my guardians until my 18th birthday, so I could go back to school. Yeah. And it's, so it's not like they were taking me in for forever at this point. But it just was just so natural. And the love was just there. And it just, it felt like I had finally met my parents. I finally found them.
1: (laughs) God, I love that so much.
2: Well, see, that's an interesting thing too, because we
1: keep talking about how you just keep using the word natural and it feels a little bit the opposite of what Julia and Joel were doing, which it felt almost you know, best of intentions, but, but like almost forcing those words, you know, mom mm-hmm. and dad. And like I could see how they could make some people feel comforted hearing that right from the start, but I could also see how it might make some people uncomfortable. Like like you're you're saying these words before they've been earned or something, you know, like yeah. how much better to like want it and then use those terms because that's where you are naturally as opposed to mm. and and so i think that maybe their their bond you know maybe part of julia's struggle is that they've been play acting at being a family or something a little bit and you know they needed to yep. like actually
2: get there yeah i felt like you know in, in different families that i'd been in growing up it always felt like i was play acting playing mm. house and then when you find when you finally found a family that you can one develop that true relationship with yeah and then you get to have those identities you know start to to form it's, it's so special, but you're right. It has to be a natural occurrence. I don't know how I would have reacted if I moved in and they're like, okay, I'm mom and this is dad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, who do you think you are, kind of. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah. But that trust was built, you know, the time was put in, the conversations were had. Um, that sort of intimate relationship. My dad always used to say, there's two types of relationships. there's an intimate relationship and there's professional relationships. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but he was like, you know, you are not a professional relationship. You are not, you know, he made it very clear, mm-hmm. even if he, the words of I love you or titles weren't discussed yet, that this was an intimate relationship and that you are a part of this Wow. family and sort yeah. of whatever way you want to be. And then it just grew and grew and grew from there. Uh, you know, it's so interesting hearing you talk for many
1: reasons, but another one is that I feel like what you're describing in many ways relates a lot more to Crosby and Jabbar, who actually are biologically related, but I don't know if you could tell from the context clues they were kind of sprinkled in this particular episode. But so uh, Crosby didn't know Jabbar until he was five and Jasmine kind of, um, showed back up and is like, I want you to meet your son, which is very, you know, interesting and everything. And, um, So I mentioned that because he, even though it was his biological father, he did call him Crosby for months, you know, because he just met him. He didn't know him. And then it was like a moment like that where he said, I guess I could call you daddy. And it was just just, like waterworks and just (gasps) it's just too much. But that was so natural. You know, it was the opposite. He never pushed it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's hear this moment when Julia springs this on Victor and on Joel, because they don't discuss anything <laughs> no, in No, never. Advance, ever.
1: Hey, Victor.
4: Yes. Um, come here. I already did my homework. It's fine. Good. Um, that's not what I wanted to talk to you about, though. Joel, your dad, and I are going to choose a date next week to finalize your adoption.
1: You know what that means? Not really. Okay, Uh, that means we're gonna go to court,
4: all of us together, and we're gonna stand in front of a judge and we will promise to take care
2: of you. And we'll probably sign some papers and then we will be your mom and dad from now on. Does
4: that sound good to you? Sure, I'm gonna go get my backpack. Okay.
0: You sure? Nope.
1: <laughs> but, you know. I kind of like the honesty of that, too. Like, you know, I'm, I'm jumping in. I'm yep. a little nervous about it, but I think it's the right thing. And I think I'm I'm. Ha- Isn't that what faith is? I mean, doesn't have to be religious faith, right? Faith in anything is just, like, hoping that it's going to work out and believing that it
2: will. Isn't and you could see in that scene... It register on her face on his face and on her face like the sort of slight look of surprise like oh okay <laughs> and that that was him telling her I love you yes. and even if she's you know even if she's not sure she knows that at least yeah and you can
1: always grow from there perfectly put yeah absolutely yeah her oh her gosh. biggest fear was like unfounded I think she realized in that moment like oh I, I, And, you know, I think I get it on some level. She's, like, exhausted and anxious and worrying herself to death. I mean, we did see she didn't sleep all night that night. Um, Not to minimize anybody's, like, you know, but, I mean, come on. She's probably not at peak. You know, like, she's just insecure. (laughs) Everything's taken, you know? I mean, I think it's why that scene with her brother was so effective. And she's like, what are you doing to me? Like, she's just let her fear lead, and you know, instead of just trusting that this is the right thing and that he does love her and i think in that moment she's like i've almost been being silly like and and not to condescend to her but like i think she just once you see it you know she's like oh
2: <laughs> i've got this all wrong <laughs> so and i just i just feel so much for victor you know i will say you know my parents had to adopt me right before freshman year of college and then i went off to nyu and I wasn't adopted until senior year. So yeah. I knew for four years, I had to be on my P's and Q's. Mm. You know, they loved oh, me wow. and I called them mom and dad, but I, there was always a little chance that they wow. could change their mind. Gosh, and it wasn't until it was official. And I'm telling you, I can't. I can't describe to you the feeling of wow. it being a hundred percent official, having the same last name, knowing that me calling you mom and dad now was not us, you know, acknowledging our, our relationship, but still, I don't want to say playing house, but it just, until it's like official, it, it sort of felt that way. I couldn't, <sighs> you know, I, I knew I had a family and I had the support in college but that weight still wasn't off my shoulders fully until yeah. we went to the courthouse wow. and signed on the dotted line. My goodness. It's just life changing. It's just like, Oh my God, my I love my parents. <laughs> 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 I, just, I can't believe I'm so blessed. I just, I'm, it's a miracle. <laughs> I bet
1: they feel the exact same way about you. I'm yeah. just uh, like, how could they not? Oh my God.
0: There is another storyline that wasn't in this episode, but that I would love your take on. A few episodes ago, Victor had gotten an A in math, the first A he ever got. And he was extremely proud. And he said, can I show my mom? And his his mom is incarcerated for substance abuse. And that's kind of all we know about her. We've never heard anything about a father. And Julia and Joel were unsure about how to handle that. And they ultimately said, you know, you can't have any contact with your mom because... And I I think they actually said it was the court's position that there was to be no contact because of her substance abuse. But Melissa and I, not knowing anything about (laughs) the actual details, were wondering, like, couldn't he call her on the phone? Can he have, like, a supervised visit with Joel or Julia or... Because it seemed so innocent, it wasn't like, "Can I go live with my mom?" Right. He even says, "I understand I can't live with her, but why can't I just be friends with her?" Which is, but and yeah. and you mentioned earlier that you had met your biological parents, and I, which I didn't know. So anyway, I'm just curious your thoughts on like what are, are those boundaries and and who decides whether it's a good idea to have contact with certain people or not.
2: Um, yeah, it can get very complicated and very hairy um, just because everyone's feelings on the matter, especially the, the adoptive parents and, and the child and and then the court's position, of course.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I do know, you know, even when I was first adopted, uh, thankfully it was an open adoption. Um, so I, I did have visitations with my biological mother growing up. But once I got of a certain age, I was asked if I wanted to continue these visitations and continue the relationship. And so I do kind of think that there should be some choice on the the kids part. You know, I think sort of cutting that off could create some kind of animosities towards the new mother, the adoptive mother, um, if he, if if he feels like she's keeping him from his biological mother. Right. And I I would hope that later, maybe when he's a little bit older and more mature and able to sort of really understand the relationships and the differences of their relationships that they would open up Mm -hmm. some kind of visitations or even pen pals, or or we can send some pictures of him going up or send his report card, even if, they write a letter, send the send the, the the test, even if it doesn't reach her. Oh man, to act like you know, so that he still feels like he's sending it wow. out to his mother. I, I feel, feel like never occurred to me. Yeah, you yeah. know, it just means it means so much, especially at that age. And I, you know, I actually do wish you know my visitation started to get cut off around that age, um, mm-hmm. around ten, eleven, and I I do wish because that's when you're you're about to become preteen and you're about to, you know, you're coming, you're realizing so much in your life, you're maturing and you're creating your own identity. And that biological identity to me has proven to be just as important as my adoptive identity. Yeah. And I think keeping that connection to your biological family, because he's going to ask questions, right. he's going to want to know those answers. So the more you can kind of keep not just, you know, wall it off and put it in the closet to talk about later, if you can kind of keep an amiable situation, you know, good feelings, at least towards the biological parents, Um that's a good start. I yeah, think.
0: really well put. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. I, I mean, like I said, I'm the farthest thing from an expert, but I was just wishing, like, can't Victor have some, like you said, some some choice in the matter? Yeah. And I think he would understand and appreciate that Joel and Julia are the ones giving him a home and that love and support now. I, I think Julia thinks that it's like, well, if he has contact with her, then she'll always be his real mother real and will always. She
2: will be always be his real mom. Yeah. That's point blank. That's true. That's yeah. point She's point just going to have to get used to that. Yeah. And trust that his love for her and their relationship of mother and son is strong enough that he can also still have a real, real mom. And that's just what comes with the package of adopting a child. Yeah. You know, here's
1: something I've never really thought about, but um, one way that I can kind of relate to this storyline a little, at least is that my older brother is adopted and is a different race. Um, My dad adopted him when my dad was in the Peace Corps. So, my brother was born in Micronesia. My brother was a a baby, you know, so he wasn't close with his biological family, but he knew who they were. And, like, it's interesting. um, He's Facebook friends with his biological sister. And I really had to, like, process those feelings it's probably if I'm being honest the most jealous I've ever felt in my life was like seeing their posts to each other calling each other like bro and sis I'm like hey like is we're the only what you know he's my only brother and and my only sibling and and I'm like you know I've, i I think I've worked through it but I remember talking to my husband about it and he's like Melissa that is his sister. You should be able to call her that. And I'm like, you're right, but it makes me feel wretched, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> and he's he's like, yeah, but you gotta you gotta like sit with that and you know figure that out. And I, I, yeah, but it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, even though sibling isn't something that you just have one of necessarily, like a mom you think of, but like we have to expand our ideas of family. I think you know, mm. like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, you you can call your mother mother and also how you know you can ha- you can have more than one person who functions in your life that way it's kind of amazing if you can have that and there are positive influences in different ways and one you live with and one you don't I, I don't know it's just yeah I think that can be hard to wrap your brain around for anyone but yeah oh yeah that's that's very interesting
2: <laughs> coming from your perspective you yeah. know yeah yeah i feel sort of bad admitting that but yeah like like, you wouldn't want him to give up that relationship no no of course not of course not honor your own feelings and like your relationship with him and your love towards him yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's complicated it really is definitely but like i said love conquers all (laughs) yes yeah
0: (laughs) that's like what mrs doubtfire says
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: but
0: if
3: there's love
0: dear those are the ties
3: that bind and you'll have a family in your heart
2: forever it's so true oh my it's gosh so true. <laughs> I, love it. I always fire. cry at the end of that movie <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh. no my siblings have. I will say you know on that note my siblings have been amazingly accepting of all my other siblings because yeah. I have a great many 16 yeah. <laughs> um, That's <true>. other siblings <laughs> You know, granted, they're not calling them up on the phone, but they've right. been very open and allow me to talk about the different relationships, which I've been extremely grateful for, because you can sort of feel like you have to keep this family separate from this family. You don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt or to feel any type of way. Um, and I'm sure maybe even his, his bio sister might feel the same way when yeah. he sees your post. Maybe. You know?
1: oh, that's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. And, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't want her to feel that way. Like, that's terrible. And I got to grow up with him, you know, and this is, yeah, it's, it's all very complicated. That's it's true. Okay. I got to grow up with him, but like, she looks just like him. And of course I don't, oh. you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah.
2: and as a, a adopted child, I, I have to say, I don't have like anyone who looks like me, right? Because you know, and just to have that connection, I'm so yeah. happy he has that connection. Yeah. yeah, to have someone who looks like him. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to have a child. Oh. I can't wait. I never <laughs> had braces. You see these teeth? Yeah. I want a child with nice teeth. <laughs> but you know, you but pass honestly, that on. Like, yeah. I need to pass that on. You know, <laughs> like I only had a few, a few visitations with my biological mother, and she looked very different. Wow. To me and I have a few pictures of my biological father I met him when he was much 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 older he was had me when he was 63 so he was wow. in a nursing home when I met him and so I don't know and then so my siblings on my biological father's side are in their 70s wow and I'm 30 you know yeah. and so I don't have anyone that looks like me so yeah. how special he has that
1: it really is yeah yeah it really is and how
2: special he has you
1: Oh, thank you. I like how both can be true at once. Right. Like it does. It's not either or. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And gosh, here I sit with just two siblings who <laughs> look very much like me. That's true. But now yes. I'm realizing what I take for granted. You know, yeah. I don't even think about it because right. that's all I've ever known. Yeah. But. Gosh, I am so fortunate. Yeah. Well, anyone would be fortunate to look like my beautiful sister. But but yeah, just it's. I think it's even great for me coming from a very you know quote unquote traditional family to understand all the different ways families exist and work because it makes me grateful for the way that my family exists and works. Yeah,
2: and that's why we need stories like parenthood uh, yes. Yes.
0: oh yes So a nice jellies. nice tie in yeah
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> so we can really view these other families in different ways and see how complex it is and yeah the different relationships and how they come together and and relate that back to our lives It's is so important i love that yeah you know i will say you know i saw when i saw this it really pulled on my heartstrings and you know as i said um earlier to see like this is us it mm-hmm. was like they're mentioning adoption on tv right you never hear that yeah yeah (laughs) you know it's it it needs to be told these stories need to be told absolutely one of my favorite shows i love that show oh my gosh i literally am randall
1: yeah (laughs) well it's crazy i mean i it's maybe the most i've ever related to a show because like i'm the same age as the big three and then like My dad died when I was in high school, just like them. And I have a brother who's a different race. You know, like, I'm like, boy, there's like, my dad was an alcoholic, but he was also like recovered and was like larger than life and kind of amazing. It was just like, I don't know. I think about that all the time. And yeah, like, it's these kinds of shows, I think what they mean to people, Parenthood, This Is Us, I'm sure there are more like that, but it just, There are shows you watch because they're fantasy and you escape, but man, it's really cool to like see yourself in something. And yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's very
2: cool to Mm -hmm. feel seen. And then you don't feel like your life is so different or your life is so crazy or I don't feel like my story is so crazy to see it up on TV. Yeah. And there's so many other people who have stories like this. And boy, you're right.
1: Like, you, the Randall connection, man, that is, that is. I really am Randall. Wow, (laughs) yes, yes, absolutely. Even with like this, like type A. Yes. (laughs) Well, he's the best character. I mean, my God, he's so
0: cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, in other news, we're not done with the vending machine story. Oh line. God. Uh, <laughs> uh this
1: the this has been uh, like a season-long arc that like who cares? Like if I you mean, can like, believe it. That yeah. Max wants his vending machine. I mean uh,
2: I know the rejoicing. So. And I just love the
1: confetti skittles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I couldn't stop thinking. Where are those skittles coming from because she got yeah. healthy snack big ones and like once he realizes that that is what has been brought in isn't he going to be furious so, so those right. are my little dangling threads that I could Maybe it's all fruits
0: and vegetables and Skittles. Yeah, and Skittles. Like Get some Skittles Split, for Max. Sugar-free
1: so.
2: Skittles. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they got Diet Coke for that one teacher. So, you know, just... <laughs> It's the weirdest vending machine ever.
2: I <laughs> oh, all the aspartame <laughs> it, it... It's
1: healthy.
0: <laughs> I think uh, this certainly qualifies as a storyline net. It, yeah. it did not, not feel a equal... No. Equal dramatic weight with the other <laughs> no. storylines, but um, yeah. I I, d- I just took a <laughs> handful of notes. One fun fact is that the kind of blondish brunettish PTA mom Lydia is apparently her name, although I don't think we ever heard it. But she's played by Amber Jager, who is Sam Jagger's real wife, who plays Joel. Ooh. So, let's go. She was great at being kind of bitchy yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: um I found that out I don't usually look up guest stars and stuff but I was like I have seen her somewhere before no I haven't but I did find out she was Joel's wife in real life um I think maybe she looks like Kate Mara to me or something I was like what 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 is this face like yeah yeah anyway but yeah I didn't yeah I like that I thought it was kind of funny the way the PTA moms were so proud of themselves. Like they had really accomplished something getting rid of that vending machine. <laughs> They're like, it took a, it took a village, but we did it. It's like a sad little goal. Like, I don't know. That was mean. That was condescending.
0: <laughs> well, I also thought that I mean, once we learned that that was the reason for getting rid of them in the first place, which makes sense. And I've heard people say that before that, you know, why, why do we have junk food in schools when it's not good for anyone, but especially for kids. But then Christina wanted the vending machines back when the solution came, like we'll have healthy vending machines. I thought, well, this was so obvious <laughs> yes. that this almost <laughs> comes off like stupid to me. Like, this wasn't a conflict this the answer was staring you all in the face the whole time and then they go hey what about this answer yep that's yep. it
2: there I, you go and the revenue
0: uh, yes yeah 12,000? i was
2: like oh shoot i need to start investing in some vending machines that's all <laughs> <laughs> I
1: thought for sure that that was just like a TV amount of money. And I kind of pulled a Caleb. I never looked this shit up, but I looked this up and it said somewhere that at a high school or I guess middle school is where he goes. But if you put it in a high traffic area, they can make up to $200 a day. And then I'm like, whoa. Well, in that case, $12,000 is on the low end. Um, end. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. I thought it seemed so unrealistic. I'm like, yeah. right, yeah. So okay, I stand corrected. But anyway, that was kind of Melissa. Well,
0: I'm so proud of you.
1: Did you ever know that you're <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Looking know. that up. That's like Caleb's catchphrase on this podcast. I looked it up. That's why I and- looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I also have to say it's sort of like funny to me. I, I get Christina taking this on because it's something she can control. And, you know, all of this. But I just kept thinking, it's so funny that Max, like, had to go to all the trouble of running for student council president and winning. And his mom just, like, reinstated them. (laughs) Like, he went to all this. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That's a
0: good point.
1: (laughs) He could have just been like, mom, get the vending machines back. And so anyway, it's just sort of funny. It kind of makes the entire season long arc of him running for student council president. Nolan Boyd. Meaningless. <laughs> 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 Nolan Boyd. <laughs> so, anyway.
0: I I th- agreed with you though about the like that it's something she could control, and that sort of ties into the other storyline in this episode, which is the return of Ryan. Oh yeah. I t- didn't. Re- I mean, I knew he came back at some point, but I didn't remember when. So when Zeke got that phone call, it's like, who's calling him? And it's like, oh, Ryan's back already. But I thought that Zeke's advice to him was pretty good. I mean, I, here's another issue I know nothing about, PTSD or veterans reintegrating into society. But it seemed like the advice of pick something small mm-hmm. that you can achieve, that you can control, and just start there. I thought that was a good bit of advice. And then I did think like, well, that's kind of what Christine is doing, isn't it? There's so much in her life she has no control over right now. But yeah. if you can get those vending machines back hey, I I did something. Mm -hmm. And I thought Ryan picking that job was maybe not the wisest choice. I'm like, well, you quit it. It's not like you were fired, although maybe that'd be worse. I don't know. But it's like, well, but you you chose something and you went back and you made it happen.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: I did enjoy that that storyline gave us a chance to have Amber and Camille together. I just love that combination. Are you all Right. right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just like thinking about some things. Yeah, Ryan.
2: Yeah, what's he been calling you at three a.m. too? No. Why did he call you guys? Well, you know, Zeke's been working with him. You know, looking out for him. And That sounds bad. Is it? Is he okay? Oh or? no, no, no. He's no. He's fine. He's moving in the right direction. He just still has an awful lot of stuff to work out. That's all.
0: I wish there was anything I could do to help him. Well, try not
2: to make it your burden. It's not. You no, know, take it off those shoulders. And uh, come on, let's get these pies in the oven. Come on. Okay, all right, I'm ready.
0: I also just loved her advice. I think sometimes it takes hearing it from someone else who you respect and trust that you don't have to make it your problem. Amber's a wonderful person and a compassionate person, and she loves Ryan. Of course she wants to help him. So I'm glad that she had someone as supportive as Camille to say, it doesn't make you a bad person if you don't take this on.
1: Probably the best possible advice. You can't save him
0: for himself. He yeah. has to do that.
2: Yeah.
0: And I, I liked that when she went to see him. You know, we talked about the Bravermans having no boundaries. She would not go into his apartment. Yeah. And I thought, good. And not, nothing's, nothing bad's going to happen if she did. But I mean, I thought, they would have
1: slept together. <laughs> I'm yeah, i mean sure yes, of yes. it. And the that boundary would have, been bad would have because evaporated. She broke up so, with yes. them. They, yeah. Yeah. That's what would have happened.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I really expect because that's. I mean, that can be hard to do. To yeah. Say, I'm here because I care about you as a person, but this does not mean we're back we're together. Just automatically back together. Yeah. And she stuck to it.
1: And you know, it's funny. Normally I would say the advice she gave Ryan is terrible, actually, <laughs> because it was like, don't take no for an answer. And I'm like, aren't we all on learning that? Like that <laughs> you have to when someone tells you no, you should accept that no. But I do think when I did my second watch of this episode. I realized how terrible Ryan's first attempt with Joel was. For some reason, I didn't realize just how presumptuous it was. He didn't say he was sorry. He just sort of like swept in and was like, yeah, I want it back. You know, and I'm like, (laughs) Joel is a softie. You could wear him down really easily. Bring him some donuts and say, I'm sorry. And then he will give you his job back. He'll totally cave. She is right about that. Yeah. And so then I felt more okay with it.
0: I also weirdly thought in that storyline, you know, when when you say like, you never know what someone else is going through. So treat them with kindness because maybe they're dealing with something. When he first goes back to Joel, Joel is dealing with his wife, unsure if she wants to adopt their son. I mean, Joel sees him as their son for sure. And when he goes back the second time, Julia has just...
1: that's true committed
0: to it. And I mean, also he had donuts. So, but (laughs) that's a good point. I I thought, you know, maybe that makes a big difference too. If like you're just catching Joel at a better time when his, his life feels like it's kind of realigning. And before it didn't, there's no way Ryan could know that. Right. But Mm -hmm. gosh, that's fascinating. Maybe if you get deprived of something, yeah. Maybe if someone, you know, reacts to you in a bad way, Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's them. Maybe they're just going through something. And I always think it's me. I mean, I think most people do. Mm -hmm. It's something I've been learning a lot, trying to remember. Everyone thinks it's about you, but everyone is thinking that. (laughs) So other people are not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves, too. So don't worry that they're thinking something bad about you. They're worried you don't like them.
1: I feel like as a teacher, I'm constantly (laughs) having to remind myself that, like, if they're rolling their eyes, it's... Probably not at me. It's
2: probably no. something else. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell myself nobody's thinking that hard about you, Tanika. Just calm down. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's perfect. And it's funny. I always think, oh, I'm being so caring by by caring how I come across to people. But then sometimes I'm like, aren't I being narcissistic? Really? I think everything's about yeah. me. It's
3: an yeah. Interesting, like
0: shift in perspective. Yeah. Well. One other full-fledged story yeah. is this continuing love triangle <laughs> oh, God. between Sarah, oh. Hank, and Mark, which to <laughs> me is almost in vending machine territory now. I'm just kind of over it. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 she broke up with one of them. Aren't we done with this? No, we're not done. But there are things to discuss.
1: I kind of thought maybe we should get Tanika's um, take on it just being freshly dropped into this episode and not being sort of sick of it like we are. So did you have any particular thoughts about you know, Ray Romano, Hank, Jason Ritter, Mark, you know, like just like, were you finding one of them more appealing than the other or
2: anything like that? I definitely was going for Mark a little bit more. Thank you. Yes. That's the right answer. He just seems Um, (laughs) like fully there. Like he really wants her. He's like, he's ready to fight for her. He's ready to confront you for her and tell you like, you better back up. Like this is my woman. I'm going to win her back. And that I was like, okay, I was rooting. I just, you know, as a new person watching the show, I found myself rooting for him. Whereas um, Hank, yeah, uh, he's, you know, he seems, to me just seems a little lackluster on it and that he maybe not, I don't know the full storyline, but maybe he didn't really appreciate her when he had her. I don't know, I was surprised by the ending when he was saying like, I'm I'm here. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess I didn't, I don't know the full storyline, so... But I, I guess I didn't expect that based on the confrontation scene between Hank and, and Mark earlier. I, I just felt like Mark really had that, and then made his intentions very clear. And I felt like it was that confrontation that incited yeah. Hank's feelings a little bit more. <laughs> mm. So, mm, mm, if you need uh, to be convinced, if you need to be, if you if you, if you need that sort of male ego to kind of come in with that competition <laughs> to go get your girl, I don't know. <laughs> no that's that fascinating it was so interesting to to hear like how
1: this is sort of coming across because well now Caleb I gotta know what you said you're over it like well yeah what were you thinking oh
0: uh, well I mean just the I guess I kind of feel like at this point Sarah doesn't deserve Mark anymore No,
1: and <laughs> I so much prefer that, Mark but I also think me yeah. too
0: but it's so, like the fact that he I get that he would still have feelings for her, yeah. But like, oh, I didn't fight for her. Like, I, you, you gave her so much grace, mm-hmm. and she took advantage of that. And I just feel like Mark, move on with your life. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, he certainly has the right to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And if he wants her back, and if he thinks, if he could get her back now, I think her relationship with Hank would. End.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that would be a comfort to him, I think. Yeah. And it is funny to look back, like when he confronts Hank. You know, the, the the more I think about everything that happened with me and Sarah, the more I realize that what you did was was calculated and manipulative and cowardly.
5: Whoa, 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 I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Well, you, you kissed her. You kissed her when you knew that we were engaged. Are you gonna deny that? All uh, right, look. Okay, so no, you're not gonna deny it. So you you think it's okay to kiss another man's fiance?
5: Listen, listen, listen. I don't calculate to kiss anybody, okay? So just relax and and, and maybe walk around the block once. And I don't need take to take a, a breath, walk around okay? the block. I, I'm fine. I just came here to tell you that I'm still in love with Sarah, and I'm going to be the classy guy that you
0: never were, and tell you to your face that I'm planning on taking her back. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Yeah. You were calculating and, and all this stuff. But I do think it's abundantly clear that Sarah and Mark would not have broken up if Hank had never true. entered the picture. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, her eye was going to wander somewhere. I don't think that's true. I don't either. I think for whatever reason, under God's <laughs> blue sky, that she <laughs> latched on to Hank. Yeah. It was something about him uniquely that drew her to him. And if if that hadn't happened, they'd be married by now, probably. It's heartbreaking.
1: I do think it's a really interesting wrinkle that I always wondered, why doesn't she tell Mark, like when they were together, why didn't she tell him that Hank kissed her? And then I'm like, just as puzzled, why does she tell him now that they're broken up? And then I'm like, on some level, does she want to be back with Mark? And this is her signal to him, like... Help me I, get out? <laughs> I don't I think know. that's
0: a valid interpretation. Maybe. I mean, I don't
1: know. I mean, I really didn't come to the podcast today planning to say that. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here because I'm like, why else would you do it if you're like, well, I just wanted closure? That's not closure. That's opening it all that's back opening up. That's opening Pandora's box. <laughs> yes, that's the opposite of closure.
0: Yeah. Well, and she said that he asked if, you know, if she ever cheated on him. It was like in the spirit of honesty. No, I never cheated on you, but there was this one incident.
2: While we were still engaged. Yeah.
0: And I'm like, well, what's your definition of cheating, number one? Like, Hmm. you you didn't sleep with him. And yeah, you didn't initiate the kiss. And I wonder if, I mean, because in the episode when she and Mark broke up, and then she was just kind of like, by default, with Hank. Yeah. It really felt like, well, Hank's sloppy seconds. This is all I can get. So now I'm just with Hank. And I feel like she regretted how she had treated Mark. And that makes this interpretation so much more interesting. Like, she probably just assumed, well, I've ruined it. He would never take me back. Right. Mm-hmm. But if now there's this sign, well, maybe he would. Well, okay, let me be totally honest so that <laughs> I don't have to worry. that You're going to find out about this kiss and then it's all going to just blow up again. Well. But now like, it maybe. is. <laughs> <when I> <laughs> now out. it
1: is. And I like how she just sort of acts totally like, what did I do? <laughs> I'm like you, I mean, not that I'm like blaming her or anything, but it is sort of funny. She's just like, I brought donuts, and he's like, everything's blowing up, and she's like, I don't know how that's possible. And I'm like, you don't? <laughs> I don't know. Like you, Are we detained? not learned.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was another so. thing I felt in Mark's confrontation with Hank. I didn't disagree with anything that Mark said, but on one hand, it felt a little manufactured. Like, well. Some it's drama. a TV show, yeah. so we just want a real love triangle. And the, but then also, you know, I certainly don't think that Hank is innocent. But I do think Sarah's transgressions far outweigh Hank's, at least mm-hmm. as far as Mark is concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Mark, how are you this mad at Hank? And not at Sarah. But not yeah. at Sarah. Because
1: he loves Sarah. I mean, that's why. I get. I mean, yeah. of course. You we're forgive like, the Hank person you love and Hank blame didn't make
0: the person any promises you don't. to you to be right. faithful. Yeah. Sarah did, and she broke those promises. So, and because I, I also didn't think she was uh, totally honest when she said there was no overlap. Like, okay, there was emotional we, we need, overlap. Yeah, you need to define what you mean by overlap. Yeah. Like, no, you did not sleep with Hank while you were engaged, but
2: you were thinking about him. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. And lying
1: and yeah. to Mark. And yeah, there
0: was overlap as far as I'm concerned.
1: Me too. And as much as I love having Jason Ritter on Parenthood, and I still think they're having him totally keep his integrity as a character. And I, I loved almost everything he said to Hank. I like that he's saying, I'm being straightforward, and you snuck yeah. around, and I think that's true. I didn't really like, I'm going to take her back or like win her back or whatever he said. I'm like, that's a little possessive, and that doesn't feel totally on brand for you, but okay, whatever. Everything else. And I do like the idea that he's now recontextualizing everything, knowing about this kiss. That would throw a person like, yeah. wait, hold on you were manipulating this whole thing over here and I just gave up. So I guess I can see it from, from that angle. But I'm also like, look, you're successful and cute and smart and charming. Like just find someone who will appreciate you. <laughs> just move on.
0: And yeah. Yeah. So. And Hank's a sad sack. Yeah. I, you know, Yeah, I don't see that. I don't- <laughs> yeah, right. What's I actually, the appeal? I, the I appeal? did feel a little bit bad for Hank. In the last scene with Sarah, just a little. You
5: told him about the kiss. Why'd you tell him about the kiss?
4: I I don't understand what's happening here.
5: I'm just asking why you would, would you no, why would not just tell him like that? It was not, why would it, I it tell him something
4: planned, like that? Because at the time we were engaged and he asked if I ever cheated on him with you and I didn't. So I wanted to tell him the one thing that did happen and I don't huh. know why that's upsetting to you.
5: It's upsetting. I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want to be the jealous guy. I don't want to be involved in this drama. I didn't want this. I didn't want anything.
4: Okay, well, you don't have to have it.
5: No, but, 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 it happened. I didn't calculate it, I didn't manipulate it. It happened. Well, no one was accusing And I like you. it, I like it.
4: Oh, you do like yeah, it? Okay, yes. thanks. I didn't know. I wasn't sure.
5: But I don't like, I don't like where it's gonna end up.
4: How, where's it gonna end up? Because I
5: can see, I can see what's happening. I, I know, I'm screwed. Why? I just, because
4: why do you say that? Because
5: I'm into this.
4: OK. I never heard that from you before. And
5: where are you going now? I got to go. I got to go. I got to think this. Don't I just... go. Listen.
4: I'm into this and walk away? That's, you can't do both
5: you got to figure it out. Why I do I have you, to figure it out? I don't know what you're, you're doing, but you what just... What do I have to figure out? you got to figure am out I, what you I want. Am I not here
4: doing this with you? Why are you walking away from me? Please.
5: I know what I want. He knows what he wants. you got to figure out what you want.
0: While I said before that Hank is not innocent, to hear how sort of caught off guard he was to be accused of being calculating, I think, at least in his mind, he really didn't see himself that way. Yeah. I think he thought, I just happened to fall for this woman who walked into my work and kind of hired herself. And <laughs> and I was maybe didn't navigate that as well as I could have, but I wasn't trying to break them up. Although even as I'm saying it, I'm not sure how much I believe, <laughs> that. but I did feel kind of bad if he felt like I, I never meant to do this. And now I'm being confronted with like consequences. Intention versus
1: impact. You didn't intend it, but there's the impact just yeah. saying I don't know but yeah I, I agree and I also felt bad when he was like well I'm screwed and I'm like really you should be like I mean like yeah. if you're presented Tanika just came on the scene she knows like, you know everyone knows
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and I did agree with him side. at the end
0: that it's like well it is now. okay now it's down to Sarah I mean it is that scene. yeah
2: I'll be curious to see who she picks <laughs> that's true we won't we'll never <laughs> know <laughs> but I'm rooting for Mark yeah
0: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> well, our last storyline, Jasmine and Crosby mm-hmm. and Renee. The first note I took was, Renee, sugar crashes aren't really a thing. Are they not? They're not. I mean, I there's blood sugar levels and things like that. But the idea of like, I'm on a sugar high and then the high ends and I crash. Not really. Huh. Oh, um, I didn't write down my source, and now I feel like I'm just <laughs> spreading misinformation <laughs> on our podcast. It's
1: like Joe Rogan over here. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh, did I say that? <laughs> I, uh... Too soon? <laughs> I do that? Too soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I couldn't decide if this scene was spectacular or unbelievable. Where is everybody?
4: Uh, he's at a play date with Miles and your mother, you're gonna love this, is grocery shopping for healthy and nutritious food for him because she didn't feel there was any in the house.
0: You're kidding.
4: No, I'm not kidding. I'm surprised you didn't bump into her there unless she went to some crazy organic joint.
0: (laughs) Baby, I'm sorry, I know. Being
2: criticized is not fun, and my mother is a master at it, so. Look,
4: I, I, if she wants to criticize us about the religious thing, I get it. That's very important to her. But her micromanaging what we're feeding our son, I, I'm not cool with it. Mm-hmm. Look, we're the parents. If we want to feed him motor oil for breakfast, we can do that. That's our right. She had, you know, her chance with you. <laughs> we need to talk to her.
0: I, you know, I really don't want to argue with her about this stuff. You know, it's not... Look, okay, I'm not that suggesting
4: that we argue with her, but what I'm saying is, as two adults, we need to sit down with her and go, hey, here are our boundaries as parents. We don't want to be criticized every morning when we wake up. That's fair. No fighting, just, hey, here are you know.
5: No fighting?
4: Absolutely No fighting.
0: Promise.
1: I promise. Boundaries. This is something the Bravermans don't have. And it's amazing. That they so never set boundaries. No, ever. So that was really something. Yeah. I,
0: and usually Jasmine is the one offering up the very reasonable advice. And Crosby is the one who should be listening to it. And now here, like, the tables were flipped. What? I was like, wait, Crosby's coming out with the adult <laughs> rational plan? Mm-hmm. And Jasmine's going, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. What? Well, what was your take on this particular storyline, Tanika? Like, just kind of coming in on
2: this situation, living with the mother-in-law. Well, it seemed like a theme of the whole episode was healthy snacks. <laughs> but-
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, you learn fast. We're yeah. always looking at the theme. Well, that's it, right there. <laughs>
2: Uh um but it also it seemed you know pretty classic with the the mother-in-law coming in wanting to take the reins you know wanting to seem like she knows it all and and always finding something to nitpick but I do agree with her also that (laughs) you know you might want to have an egg or two for breakfast instead of that pop tart I mean but the argument that they got into with her you know, I understand, you know, being the daughter, you don't want to argue with your mother, you do want to set boundaries. And I, I, I felt like Cosby was kind of crossing a line a little bit. Yeah. in his tone. And you know, I, I get your point too. But that's my mother. Like, we can all talk as civilized adults. And to to make me have to choose sides.
1: Yeah,
2: that, I felt like that was getting um pretty, pretty hairy. And I don't I guess I don't know who I agree with in in the whole situation, (laughs) but I do agree that there needs to be boundaries. I think Mm -hmm. that the conversation needs to be had around boundaries, not who's right and who's wrong in this situation. And I think Jasmine was correct in trying to mediate the situation. Mom, you are right. We will buy healthier snacks and not trying to just ignite the fire any, any bit more. And I felt like Crosby was sort of making it, just more about him and who's right and who's wrong.
1: Something I don't like about Crosby that kind of goes along with what you said, like, it seems to me like sometimes his desire to be like funny or or to make a point in as snarky way as possible, like almost takes over. And I find myself like being like, I, I kind of agreed with you. I was sort of on your side, but yeah, you're so rude right now. That, like, when when he said that she said everything in a like...
4: In a very subdued, calculated manner, Car- I would say.
0: enough.
1: In a subdued, calculated
4: manner. No. You see, even slower, Grace. Just
0: stop. Okay, look, you're right. We should be more consistent with Jabbar, especially when it comes to his bedtime, okay? She's right. I mean, just things
1: that he's saying to her that I'm like... I think you're right that they need to set boundaries and you were right that you and Jasmine should be a unified team. It shouldn't be Jasmine and her mother versus you because this is Jasmine's family now. I mean, her mom is always going to be her family, but I think at some point you have to pass that torch and be like, okay, I stand with, with this family. And now I have to sort of change roles from listening to what my mother says to making decisions as a team with my spouse. And I agree with him on that, but boy, yeah, the way he speaks to her, I'm like, I hate that. But then I'm like, I guess Renee was a little condescending to him as well, being like calling it that the, was it, the inmates are running. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, boy, maybe both of you are using elevated language in this I know. conversation.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I actually, yeah. I blame the derailment of that conversation almost entirely on Renee.
1: Interesting. I was much
0: more on Crosby's side because I felt like he started so well. Mm -hmm. To start with, we're happy to have you here. We love having you here. And I thought he was using I messages. You know, we, (laughs) not saying you're judgy. Um, There have been
4: times where we felt criticized um, the other morning at breakfast. So you're upset
0: because I pointed out that Jabbar shouldn't be subsisting on sugar and starch. We
4: feed him other things.
0: We do. All right, so, well, you do know that I just have my grandson's best interest at heart. Of course, of Mm. course, Mom, we know that.
4: Nobody's questioning your love for Jabbar or your dedication to him. What we're saying is it doesn't feel very nice to be judged every time we make a decision. It's not a nice feeling.
0: But then there is there is a moment in the conversation where everything turns. And I think it starts with, honestly, her shitty apology. Oh, shots fired. Well, I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. Is that okay? Yeah. She says it twice. Is that okay? I'm like, well, you don't mean it. <laughs> you didn't just take responsibility for why your son-in-law and daughter are feeling this way. You're just knowing, well, here's the part of the conversation where I'm supposed to apologize. And I said the words. Are we good? Is that done now? And then now, but I gotta say, I'm completely <laughs> right and I didn't do anything wrong. Is pretty much what she <laughs> says. I'm like, that is true. But I gotta tell you that from over here, sometimes it appears like the inmates are running the asylum. Mom, oh, that like, that's it? not fair. That apology was totally perfunctory. And then at that <laughs> moment, everything Crosby said after that was. Horrible. Yeah. Mom, oh, is that what that's it not it fair. Appears
4: Mom. like to well, you. I know, that's, that's not, not fair. From your lofty perch. That's not the norm. You're trying to make the Wait, exception no, not, the norm. And this no, is exactly we're, what we're I'm talking, talking about. about. I don't need about... to be in a shouting match with you about Javart's no bedtime. That's Are our you, decision. Discipline. Discipline will be administered the way we see fit, not the way you see fit. That's how it's going to go Should down. Okay.
0: everyone. And even though I agreed with his position, he's like, oh, is that how it looks from your lofty perch? That's terrible. You don't
1: say that. It's not helping
0: anything and I did feel like Jasmine dropped the ball well sure yeah in supporting him like she agreed I mean he he didn't spring it on her he said I think we should I mean actually what he said you need to sit down and talk with your mom and she didn't want to do that but okay we're both gonna sit down and then she doesn't say a word no Except to say you're right <laughs> to her mom. You're right. And then when she came back later, I really thought she was going to apologize to Crosby. And I I was like so in his shoes of like, oh, you're expecting me to apologize to her? I thought you were going to apologize to me. I don't think she's necessarily wrong there. If you're just trying to make peace mm-hmm. with Renee, then apologizing would be one way to fix it. But I do think there's a no larger issue that Jasmine's not really addressing.
1: Which I find fascinating. It's so much more interesting.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder what Jasmine's childhood was like. Like, what is her relationship with her mom?
2: And that she probably never talked back. She probably never, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, and Jasmine talks back to
2: everyone except her mother. Like,
1: that's what's so interesting. She's very strong I mean, she and Crosby fight constantly, and it's really fun, and, and she usually wins, you know. So it's she's not some, like, timid creature or something, you know. She's She is definitely someone who holds her own and speaks her mind, and I love that about her. And the fact that she doesn't do that with her mom, and that's the only person she doesn't do it with. And her mom, here's the great part that makes it more fascinating. I think her mom is a good person. It's not like her mom yeah. is some horrible manipulative person and she's like afraid of her i don't think it's that at all but i do think maybe she actually is afraid of her like not the way we typically use it but like afraid to disappoint her or like afraid to let her down or like deferential deferential yeah yeah which is like the last word you would ever use to describe jasmine and which makes it so fascinating yeah
0: but even as you say it now like how assertive jasmine is it's so clear now like well, she learned it from Renee. Yeah. That's who taught her how to mm-hmm. stand up for herself. And, but that it's sort of like, well, the student can't ever do that them. to the master, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Renee interesting. taught me how to say what I need, but I can't say what I need to Renee. I can say it to anyone that's else. That's <laughs> too far because she gave, and I think it's rooted in love, like extreme respect and yeah. love. Oh yeah. 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 Reverence. And yes. I, but
2: I do think Crosby's right. She needs to speak to her mom you know, at this point, because clearly the three of them speaking is not going to work. And she, it's going to have to be a personal conversation between her and her mother.
0: Yeah. What did you guys think of Renee going to eat in her room? Because I thought you could either see it as like, "Uh uh-oh, Renee's relationship with the kids is deteriorating. Or you could see it as, well, Renee is learning that she doesn't always get to have her way. And that's a tough feeling, but that's okay.
2: I took it as her sort of wanting to be out of the way and not cause any friction and just to get maybe give a little space to the situation, let it air out a little bit because I think she loves being there and loves being with her grandchild and her daughter. And while she's too um, prideful to ever apologize or ever admit that she's Wrong, I also thought it was a sort of um, acknowledgement of their qualms with her.
1: I like that take so much because I was really waffling between that. And the thing where it's like, oh, I'm interfering, let me get out of your way entirely. And, you know, take my, my meal off to this. And it's what I'm always trying to avoid. I feel like I keep talking about my students, but like, it's what I'm always trying to avoid. If like a student is dominating the conversation, for example, and I want them to not dominate it and let other people speak. But. I don't want to say something that's going to make them be like, oh, I'll just stop talking then. I won't talk ever again. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want that. And so I worry that Crosby had been so rude to Renee that she was so offended that she's like, I'm just going to remove myself entirely, which is like a total pendulum swing and not what they wanted. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and so I worried that it was like her feelings are hurt. And so she's retreating, but also to sort of make a point like you were rude and this is my way of showing you you were rude Oh, And then I'm like, oh, that's so awful and awkward and I hate it, you know, but I don't know if that's what it was or if she was just like, I really do need to give them space because
0: that's clearly what this is all about. And it's so funny, Tanika, after you said what you said, I was like, yeah, that's what I think too. But now Melissa, after what you said, I was like, (laughs) oh, I think you're right. But I think that's what I really liked about the end of that storyline is that you're really not sure. Which it is, and it might in some strange way be both. Be both? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm clearly interfering, so let me not interfere. And I'm so hurt that I'm interfering and was confronted so disrespectfully about it that fuck you all, I'm eating <laughs> in my room. You know, like, it's maybe both like all wrapped up Could together. Mm-hmm. And then it, it made me think of um, the title of this episode. Oh, yeah, Abdul <laughs> <laughs> it had up. me thinking about like the status of things in various storylines we get in this episode and that really only Max's vending machine thing was a out and out success. Although I, I even as I say that, I guess not because like you said, Max didn't achieve it. Christina did.
1: And he didn't want these dumb, healthy snacks. This yeah. is a bastardization of what you want. And then, you know,
0: Renee and the kids. Yeah, they aired their feelings. But did things actually get better? Or was it a one step forward, two steps back? Like, we hashed it out, but we didn't fix anything.
1: Oh, and real quick, Caleb, I want to say that when you said that Renee's apology was shitty, I also thought that the way they started the conversation with, we love having you here, I thought that was just as perfunctory, because Crosby does not love having her there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was It was already off to a performative start, you know? Like, it was just, yeah. So And I that. just immediately...
2: I heard them saying, but we think you should go, like in the next sentence or
0: something. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like, (laughs)
2: yeah.
1: Good
0: point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She's, she's she's
1: a smart woman she hears we love that she's like okay but where's the you know yeah
0: and also frankly when she says i love being here she probably doesn't totally mean that either it's uncomfortable for everyone probably i mean i'm sure she'd rather have remained in her home where she was for who knows how long yeah that's the other thing it's so i mean this is so relatable that people so easily forget like a situation like this this was not what any of them want Renee doesn't want to be interfering with them. She doesn't want to have to stay with them. And they don't want her to be there. Mm -hmm. And everyone needs to remind themselves of that constantly. Well, I I think think we all
2: sort of had... You know, in this COVID situation, a situation like that, I can't think of how many people went home to live with their parents or, Mm. you know, I went home for four months and, you know, the first month or two was great. (laughs) (laughs) Third and fourth month, it's like, no, this is my turn to use the kitchen. No, this is my, you know, you start getting into those differences of how you live and what you, you know, expect from your living situation. So I think it's only natural to have those type of, of conflicts Yes. Um,
0: but how do you deal with them? Yeah. Yes. And it's hard. Like, I mean, Crosby is noticing this dynamic, I guess, between Jasmine and her mother that Jasmine doesn't ever stand up to her. And in a way, I, I think, like, does she actually have to tackle that issue? Because Jasmine had kind of solved it by moving out of her mother's house. You know, <laughs> when she became an adult, then Jasmine yeah. was able mm-hmm. to set the boundaries. And it, on any given day, it's not really an issue in Jasmine's life. hmm it only rears its head when, due to unforeseen circumstances, Renee is back living with her again. Yeah. And it's like, well, of all the things Jasmine could tackle, is this really top of the list? You could solve it by getting Renee out of the house. Which and will happen happens, eventually, because this is temporary. Yeah, yeah, it's temporary. So maybe you do, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe I'm coming around to Jasmine's side, like, I just, just don't want to all... get into it because once she's gone, <laughs> she it's peace. not going to be a problem. I yeah. definitely
1: feel that just wanting peace. I <laughs> That's what I want always. And, you know, I don't know how often I confront people about things. I'm much more likely to be like, it's probably fine for the foreseeable future, right? Because I like avoid conflict at all costs. And, yeah, I think that it's important to Crosby maybe that's enough to make it important to Jasmine, but maybe it's not. I mean, I'm genuinely not sure. That's, I think that's interesting. Like if it's important to your spouse and you're a team, maybe that is something to confront, but if it's genuinely not important to you that you stand up to your mother, maybe the, maybe Crosby's the one who should get over it. I don't know. I really don't. I do think
0: Tanika though. I think you're You're so right that for Crosby, I think it has turned into a contest. Yeah. He just just wants to win at this point. Even though I agree with why he's upset. But don't put Jasmine in
1: that situation. That is true. morphed into,
0: I win. It's my house. I win.
1: I'm now seeing him wanting an apology from Jasmine totally differently now. Because I think at first I was like, yeah, this makes sense because... She did sort of join the other team during their boundary talk. But then when you think of it, but but what position are you putting your wife in? Then it's like, right. oh, you should be apologizing to her. Maybe not right. Renee, but your wife.
2: <laughs> and this is that's a mother-daughter relationship. That's a relationship that was well long before you entered the situation. Yeah. yeah. And for you to expect that to change overnight just because of your particular relationship, that's asking a lot, you know. Yeah.
1: Although I just keep going around and around. I will say one more thing, which is that I don't think it was fair of Renee to say to Crosby, like, before you were here. I am like, that. I'm like, but Crosby did not know Jabbar existed, so it's not like he was being a bad dad, ignoring his son. So I feel like that should be off the table always. You, you don't get to say before you were here, because I wonder if that was a bit of a trigger for Crosby. Like, don't say that. Like, I would have been here. Yeah. I Yeah. So that's interesting. And kind too. of the
0: implication is once you came into his life, everything turned to crap. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's what she meant.
1: No, but. I don't think that's what she meant either. But it might be how Crosby took it, because that is one of the most fascinating things about dynamics, not just on a show, but like in life, too. Like you can just mean something totally innocent and someone else can just take it, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and like I think, that it, again, intention versus impact. It's so important, I think, not just what you meant, but how it could come across. And that's a hard thing to do because it's hard to anticipate that sometimes. You're only in your own head. But...
0: And then before you know it, you're eating dinner in your room alone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's sad. She just has her little tray and, you know, like she's I there. I hope she and finds she a place.
0: I really do. Even through all this, I, I really like Renee. I mean, I think a large part of it is how believable I find her. Like, especially in this storyline, she's presented as a nuisance and she absolutely is but that's so many people that i love in my real life like well if i had to live with them yeah they'd bug the crap out of me but they're wonderful people she's also such a good actress
1: like yeah she's so funny i mean it she says things to them that delight me that if if she were like saying them to me i'd be so hurt or offended or whatever but like on the show i'm like that's amazing. Like, I just love her,
0: and so. she also has little. I mean, Crosby latched onto the criticisms, but something I latched onto it was so brief. But in the breakfast scene, when Renee says, "Your father made you a healthy breakfast," I felt like that was support her. Mm-hmm. Her sticking up for Crosby, like you have a father who just cooked you eggs with mushrooms and uh, like, yeah, that's so much more. We ate cereal when I was a kid, yeah. you know. Yeah. someone cook you an egg scramble
1: and Tanika That's... you are right like earlier when you were saying that you know Renee has a point that he should eat the healthy food maybe it wouldn't be Renee's place or my place now to say make your son eat this food but if you take all of the who has a right to say what out of it that is the right yeah. vi- thing the they, right. sh- they-, they backed down way too easily and just handed mm-hmm. him the breakfast bar because it was easier That is...
2: Yep. Yeah. And I imagine in in Renee's day and age, that was unacceptable. There weren't breakfast bars. If you weren't eating those eggs, you weren't eating anything. Right. Point blank.
1: Yeah. And Jasmine internalized, (laughs) you know, respecting parents to the point where now as an adult, she still does it. And that's interesting. Jabbar will have no trouble talking back to his parents probably because Mm, he's already mm -hmm. doing it. That's interesting. That's a
2: good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Parenthood
1: Parenthood <laughs> <laughs> Seriously Oh man Sorry Caleb You were like Breaking it down And wrapping it up And then we just like We're like We have more No, <laughs> yeah,
0: that... <laughs> no Hold on It's that two steps forward We did it ourselves
1: We just Performed that <laughs> Anyway
0: The rest of that Two steps forward Wait what is the title Of this freaking Two episode? steps One step one forward se- Oh two, two steps, steps back, back. Obviously, with the Victor storyline, it's although that one's looking up. Yeah, it seems like it's good. But it, yeah, it was definitely like, where are we and all this? And then, gosh, Sarah and all that stuff. Yeah, that's one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> and then Amber and Ryan like, OK, is this happening again? Is this not it? At first, I I read the title. It's like, I don't remember what happens in this episode. <laughs> this gives me no clue. But it does apply. Yeah, I think to all it the storylines. Yeah. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I did, too. Oh, it was a good a one.
0: Yeah. Yep. makes me very eager for the season finale. Oh, yeah. Coming up next week. Yeah. So.
2: Well, I'm starting back at season one, so I'll catch Yay. up with you guys. <laughs> all right.
0: Sounds Yay. good.
2: I'm so glad. Yay.
1: We
0: cannot thank you enough for no. all you brought to this discussion. It was just invaluable and yeah. wonderful. Thank yeah. you so
2: much for having me. This was so fun. Yay. <laughs> oh, good. Listening to my... Oh, journey. It it
1: really, it means so much that you shared that, you know, you and I, this was our first time meeting each other and for you to share something so personal to you, it really means the world. So thank you very much. Thank you. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Well,
0: Tanika, are you going to be appearing anywhere coming up soon that our listeners might be able to see you?
2: Yes. Well, you should check me out (laughs) on HBO max on March 6th on the new show winning time. I will be in three episodes appearing as Miss Debbie Allen. I'm so excited. so
0: cool. Oh my God. I love that. Did you, did you get to meet her? I did. I did. Oh oh my gosh. She's
2: fabulous. And she just said, I'm so glad they got someone so beautiful and so kind to play me. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you, Miss Debbie.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, they talk about icons. I think Debbie Allen is. Yes. Indisputably an icon. I mean, the, just the sheer number of like art forms yeah. that she's, she's risen to the top of dance, theater, TV, film, directing, I, producing. Just, yeah, amazing. It's
2: incredible.
1: It's yeah. incredible. Well, and she's right. You are so kind. And I hope this isn't cheesy to say, but when you like first popped onto Zoom, I was really taken aback. I'm like, my God, she is beautiful. Oh, so, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're so, very sweet. Yes. They should put you on TV, you know? Yes. <laughs> Can't just hide you away on podcasts where no one sees you. <laughs> so, thank
0: you. Well, we will definitely be watching that. Yes. And Parenthood pals listeners. Winning Time also features Sarah Ramos, Hattie. That's so cool. So connections. You'll, even, you'll have two connections, two okay. reasons to watch the <laughs> show.
1: And then, of course, you can find us on social media. We are Parenthood Pals on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook.
0: And you can get all of our info at our website, parenthoodpals.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.